And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Thursday, May 26th. Michael Beller, Al Melchior here with you on this episode of TAFBP, and Al... This is the first time we've been together in a while. Last week you were out, the week before I was out. So this is the first time since the first week in May that we get to do this together. What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, I'm sorry. Who, who are you? <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> it you, has been a while. Not that long, but it's been a while. You give this guy a couple of weeks and he'll take a year. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, no, yeah, uh, very happy to be back with you, Al. Back with you on Thursdays. Also, Thursday is guest day on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And joining us today is John Legeza. You can find his writing, of course, here at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Moving Average, but short and average, MLB Moving AVG. John, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, guys, I'm great. This is, you know, this is really like an honor to be here. I, I, the first thing I said was like, wow, it's Al Milkier. Hey, Al. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. I really, it's been, it's been great working alongside you guys. You know, it's been an honor to bat ninth in this lineup. Let me put it that way. <laughs> We're like the Dodgers in that way. Right? Wow, that's a pretty nice compliment. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pat, pat ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, John, we're going to uh, just uh, basically go sort of free-falling in this uh, in this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're just going to talk about some of the players that uh, you most recently talked about in a, uh, a mailbag column on The Athletic. So, Athletic subscribers, you can check that out for John's thoughts in written form. And we're going to take that a little bit further on this episode by you know, diving into these players in the spoken form. So, let's just let's get right to it, guys. Let's get into it. The first guy I want to start with is Selfish. This is a selfish reason why I want to start <laughs> with Fran Mill Reyes because uh, he is a player who I have on my home league team. It is the team that obviously, like all of us, I care by far the most about. And I felt pretty good about him coming into the season. Uh, this is an auction league. It's a keeper. I had him for nine bucks. Mixed league. Feel, oh, yeah, this is a no-brainer sort of situation. Let's keep Fran Mill around, a guy who I've liked for a long time, going back to his Padres days. And it just hasn't been there for Fran Mill this year. And you know he's going to go through some uh, slumps. I mean, that's just sort of the hitter that he is. And frankly, that's the hitter that most guys are. But the power just has not been there at all for Fran Mill Reyes over the first. I mean, we're now into our you know second month of the season, third month of the season. So, I mean, what are you looking at when you look at a guy like Fran Mill Reyes? Well, the, the bad is pretty obvious, right? You don't. You don't really need my thick glasses to see that. 195 BA, 39% K, and then it goes beyond that into elevation, 45% ground ball rate, 15% swinging strike. Maybe the last part we might have expected, a 533 OPS, we probably didn't. Mm -hmm. Now, Mike, I'll give you that the power, maybe as far as frequency goes. In terms of frequency, maybe it hasn't been there. But I think as far as a raw metric, I think 
what we expect maybe has been there, and that we don't have, shouldn't have to glimpse too much either. When he hits it, he does hit it hard 52% mm-hmm. of the time via stat cast being the raw 95-mile-an-hour metric. And then if we, you know, advanced stats being, I know they're a bit skewed, but they still matter in relation to the field. And a 475 expected Woba on contact, right, so this is contact specific, is impossible to hide. Now, it doesn't happen enough, but it is there. Now, I was kind of exploding the DMs of other much smarter guys than me at The Athletic, Eno and DVR, looking into the discipline. And, you know, if you get into some rolling charts, I actually think we may start to see it turn around a touch. But right now, he's not rosterable. And the one thing I tell people, because they do have a history in trading, and there is a lot of overlap, don't try and catch the falling knife right now. Mm -hmm. There are bench spots. He deserves one because of the draft capital spent. But there's no... There's no victory, moral or otherwise, taking four, six, eight, nine bad weeks in a row trying to get one good one. You're better off missing the one good one and looking for, you know, a return to normalcy, something to sink our teeth into, some validation. So with Fran Mill right now, he's not startable, but he's also, I believe he is rosterable. And I could see trying to acquire him for 40 cents on a dollar, but yeah, I wouldn't try and be stubborn rolling him out there every week. Uh, well, in your column, John, uh, you talked about Fremo Reyes in, in the context of a comparison, a question that somebody had with um, Spencer Torkelson and Joey Gallo. And if I'm remembering correctly, you said, well, Gallo is actually a, a pretty easy drop, which I, yeah. I totally agree with. And I also agree that in a 12 teamers, you know, Fran Meal, but just because of the extent of the strikeout issue is, yep. is probably droppable too. But so you were kind of relatively optimistic about Torkelson. Is there like a a bigger lesson for us there in terms of Torkelson not hitting for the raw power that uh, Reyes is, but, um, you know, making more contact in general. And is that something that, you know, you would think we should just generally favor when a, if you've got to pick a, a slumping player to take the one who's actually making a little bit more contact? Yeah. You know what, guys, this is why I'm, I've been such a big fan of your work because now we're really getting into is it's really the nuance of understanding a profile. It's not as easy as a single, it's not a binary thing. Good or bad, single stat tells us X or Y. You know, that's, I generally talk about compartmentalizing baskets and trying to understand a hitter, right? There's discipline, there's elevation, batted ball quality, and then I mention results. Like, that's the part I kind of whisper is the fourth basket because it's the one I'm the least concerned about. The more we learn about the path of ball and what the ball does in flight and how wonkiness after the striking occurs, how weird those outputs really are. I try to not to ignore them, but I, I weigh them the fewest. So again, let's look at torque now. Again, some power statistics. 41% hard hit rate over 95 miles an hour. 8% barrels a bit low, but the max EV is there with the expected Woba on contact above 400. So again, when I'm hitting benchmarks, because 400 again, I hate to throw stats people, maybe they don't know, but it's it's a, an amalgamated stat that's isolated to contact only. And again, sometimes you just need to know it's it's very, very good, right? Not to oversimplify, cave, you know, stat is good, but that stat's very good. And again, it's not something you could really hide, again, even with X stats being skewed, in relation to the field. Now here we go with the real kind of just buckle in for the real advanced stat stuff. But this is the thing that I'm looking for because when we're having changes in the ball changing the environment i'm looking for quality of hitter and now we've learned a lot about launch angle and we've learned a lot about the misuse of launch angle and how averages can mislead us however we also know averages are useful on the edges where i'm going gentlemen is standard deviation of launch angle and i know that's a mouthful i like to think of it as launch angle tightness everybody 
The lower the standard deviation of launch angle is, mm -hmm. the better. And this now makes sense. Let's get let's get intuitive. We a lot of pop-ups and a lot of ground balls is a wide disparity and a high standard deviation. That's not good. A tight ray of outputs is good, but now even that on its own is not enough because a tight ray aimed at the floor is not good. We need a tight ray combined with an elite launch angle. The thing is, Torkelson has shown us that. So he is, I mean, his standard deviation is elite with a capital E. 28 degrees is considered very, very good. His is below 25. If this continues, he will be considered up there. This is like Juan Soto territory of swing path here. So there is the potential. Again, I hope I'm not squinting too hard, but these are the things no. I'm looking for with top prospects. So the con you know, the strikeout rate is not the 40 that Fran Mills is. It's 30, which we've seen can be palatable. Hey, Dal Bobby Dalback carried the Red Sox with a 30% K rate second half last year. Torkelson, I think, is a much better pure hitter. So I think there's a lot more to like with Torkelson. Again, the track record probably working against Reyes, right? We've seen mm -hmm. enough of it to know we've heard that song before. Yeah, no, this is, that, I mean, that's great. That's great. To, that's great information to take forward and, uh, you know, to be able to distill it into, you know, that sort of understandable way, uh, something that we can all wrap our heads around. Definitely something you look for. And given the pedigree on Torkelson, seems like the sort of guy who uh, should be able to figure this out, right? Should be able to put this together over the course of the remainder of the season. In that, in that same column, you say that you're looking to acquire him where you can. Obviously, league parameters, those are going to determine yeah. what you are acquiring him for but like can you give us an idea of like the sorts of players who you are think he, he's rubbing elbows with in terms of rest of season value man I, I it's probably got to be a pitcher right unless yeah I, I usually try and cross hitter for pitcher because I think people then try and apples to apples too much yeah gosh it would have to be something along the same lines right maybe we're looking at like a Reed Detmers, right? Like young, potential, uh, mm -hmm. lots of prospect love. We've seen glimpses, but nothing has really materialized, right? We have a no-hitter. Well, I should say nothing material. No, I'm looking past a no-hitter. But, <laughs> right, we haven't seen sustained success. So maybe something like that. Maybe, I don't know. I, 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 I want to say Nestor Cortez. If people, for the audio-only people, I do have my Yankee pinstripes on. <laughs> I think you got to hold on to I really, I think you have to hold on to Nestor. I hate, and I hope that doesn't come off too homerish. He, he's been really, really good. And for what you paid and what you're getting back, it's hard to kind of traverse that gap of profit. I think you kind of ride that one. So, yeah, I'd probably be thinking maybe like a Detmers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to think on that a little more maybe. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
So uh, actually, I'm going to uh, dip in the same well that, that Michael did at the outset, uh, going with a, a selfish uh, <laughs> question for from his own roster. So you wrote extensively about Marcus Simeon, and you said very specifically, he can't be started anywhere. Well, the league where I've got Simeon, 2014 Dynasty League. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have options. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I, I think you had talked about maybe testing the trade waters. To me, it seems like maybe the worst possible time to do that. I don't know. So maybe if you could break down that situation for somebody in my shoes where you don't necessarily have the luxury of, of sitting, uh, Simeon, maybe, you know, what are some, some trade options or what can, what are some hopeful signs we can look for as we wait it out? Yeah, I mean, there's a few there's a few moving pieces here. I'm also, I'm a known cheapskate. So I think we always want to be thinking in terms of how can we benefit ourselves without costing anything. So I automatically look at the trade block. Doesn't cost you anything. And you might have somebody, uh, we're not looking for someone to say, Marcus Simeon's going to hit 48 home runs rest of the season. But we just might have somebody say, hey, minute, this was a, a, a very high draft pick. And maybe they're willing to move a pit, an extra pitcher that they had that maybe came out of nowhere, that maybe performed more than they thought or can fill a, you know, a shortcoming that you have. That being said, the problem with Simeon, again, I don't know the answer. I think I did a pretty good job visualizing it for people, like showing mm-hmm. them a bit of it. As it looks like it's a swing path issue. Simeon knows he produces swinging pitches in. And swinging at pitches up. However, the challenging pitchers this season have stretched the strike zone on him. And he has appeased them and continued to swing, something he's never done before. So his chase rate and swing totals are really kind of out of whack with what we know in his track record. But like I said, if you look at the path, it's just pitchers tempting him. They they know he likes it in. They know he's being aggressive trying to earn that money. So they're taking him in. And the same way with up. So it's really just a matter of him kind of settling down. I think we could be a week away, two weeks away from mm-hmm. him producing. So I'm not ready to sell on Simeon. I do would agree though, Al, I'm not I'm not just jettisoning him for nothing. But, man, yeah. to not be able to start him at all, you can't bench him. I'd rather have anything than him right now. Brendan Donovan, I'd rather have I'd rather have anybody, really anybody, than him right now. Sorry. <laughs> man, that, that – but you, the first thing when – you're, when you're walking through that, the first thing that comes to mind to me is, like, that's that's correctable, especially for a, a vet like Simeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so it's – but who is to say when these things happen? Now we can yeah. get into the conversation oh, yeah, of sure. – and I've had the conversation, it's funny because this is generally how I get smart. It's like I'm not very smart. I generally talk to people much smarter than me and then try and be quiet as best as possible. So I had Russell Carlton, who we think about as, you know, one of the foremost experts on stabilization in the game. I had Rudy Gamble on my show and Derek Hardy. Really, you know, I bring in the brain trust. I went to the Mount Rushmore and I asked them all of the toughest questions that I couldn't answer on my own. And we just try and do the very best you know that we can with these things. There is no true answer to stabilization. We do know disciplinary metrics do stabilize the fastest, and I believe it's because of what you said, Mike. They're in, or the most in the player's control, right? Mm-hmm. We know um, the ump show is constantly running right now, right. so we have to be careful with how much we're weighing strikeout stats. Even true, I've had this conversation, K minus walk, which we love as a skill stat. Got to be careful. How many times is a guy getting a bad call on 3-2? Ten times in a season could really throw off numbers that we care about, is all I'm saying. So... Uh, I don't know the answer. I I like to think it's coming. I do because he's talented. Mm -hmm. We've seen it. And now that we've kind of put our thumb on exactly what's going on, I I, I just think he's one or two 
maybe weeks away from this. So I'm just not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And for what it's worth, a decent game on what's today? Thursday, a decent game on uh, on Wednesday night for Marcus Simeon. So I, I he's a guy who I who yeah. I tend to I, I tend yeah. to I tend to believe um, is going to be able to is going to figure it out sooner yeah. rather than later with all of this. And like you know, like if we know this is going on with him, he, he damn well knows this is going on with him too. And the Texas coaching staff knows this is going on with him yeah. too. And so you get that guy, you get a guy like that who has had some monster seasons over the last couple of years in the lab. I would tend to side with that. This is ultimately going to work out for him. So a guy who I would, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not going out there and paying a draft day price for him or anywhere near it, but I would at least be kicking to. the tires on what it. Yeah, exactly. Of course you don't have to. And I would at least be kicking the tires and see what the Semian manager is thinking and see just how acquirable he might be in my league. Uh, so that's a, that's a that's a guy who maybe uh, can turn things around here quickly. Vlad Junior. Um, you know the the surface stats are not what you expected, uh, not as good as you expect. They're not terrible either. Um, but this is a guy who uh, you put a marker down on very very early, going back to the uh, the end of spring training on. And so let's check in on that. Vlad Junior. Pete Alonso. You had Pete Alonso as someone who was going to outproduce Vlad Junior. This season so far. <laughs> Looking pretty good for you, John. That's a, that's a call that is looking awfully nice. So I, I don't know. You can you can take this in any direction you want. Victory okay. lap or quarter uh, well, of the season victory lap or what's up I, with Vlad? Go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay, it's 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 not it's not the victory lap, but what 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 it should be is how we approach arguments that we may not agree with, and how we digest them, and that's really all it is. For me, I did not just write that for engagement farming. I never do that. <laughs> I did a very detailed video on Pete Alonso on Mayo Media Net on YouTube, and you could even go back and check it out. And it's using a lot of these newer understandings that I was talking about. And when you see Pete Alonso has been tightening his launch angle year over year over year, at one point in his minor league career, he was a sustained 300 hitter also. So I was just crunching some numbers. Mike, I know I've heard you say specifically you do hand, you do hand projections. I do my work by hand also. And I'm like, I have Pete Alonso hitting 290, and before I could finish my sentence, the la- the eruption of laughter, you know, <laughs> drowned the rest of my workout. And I, I couldn't believe, that was the thing, that's the only reason you're getting any of me and my snarkiness here, because I'm really not like that. I'm really very cold and calculated, and also as a, as a professional handicapper, oh, I lose a lot, you know, when you get used to it. But I was just talking that I thought Pete Alonso could hit 290. And, and and then the pushback started, and, and none of it came at the actual root of the argument. So that's what I mean, people. If somebody's something that you disagree with, maybe try hearing them out before you start laughing, and you might learn something, maybe about a process. And then maybe if this does turn out to be right, we may learn that understanding these basketed angles and swing path now, which I believe will be the next wave of stat cast, mm-hmm. will be like hitter stat cast, right? The swing speed and swing path and level of the swing is what I believe. And where on the ball hitters hit it. Something also, gentlemen, that I don't think is being thought about enough. Think about pool, right? You, you, when you want to move the pool ball, you can't cut under it. You have to move where you hit it on the center point. So baseball players are now learning that where they were being taught to hit the bottom of the baseball, they now have to hit the center of the baseball. And that's uh, there's an adjustment going on in real time. So that's where there is something to be chasing recent stats and these swing path things. Because if you're achieving it right now, uh, I'll have a more confidence you're able to achieve it tomorrow than someone who's still trying to figure it out because it's an actual change that we're seeing. So in like 12 million words or less, there's a tangent that probably doesn't <laughs> answer the original question. But Vlad Jr., Vlad Jr. is awesome, man. He's awesome. And that was the thing. It was never to mm-hmm. disparage. 
Vlad Jr. I oh, thought he course. got a bit of an artificial boost from the contextual upgrades in environment last year. And I thought that was fair. And again, oh, you blah, blah, and whatever. I just, I, I didn't, I don't think he's bad. I think he's an MVP quality hitter. And I think we see that. 56% hard hit rate this year. 119, max EV. Again, gentlemen, I don't just say it to piss people off. Here is what I found. Vlad Jr. last year against off-speed pitches. 15% barrel rate, 439 slug, four home runs. This year against off-speed pitches, 258 slug, no barrels, no home runs. There's your answer. Vlad Jr. is not being patient with off-speed pitches. He's not barreling them up, and that's where he's being taken advantage of. He's being being attacked with off-speed pitches, something you weren't able to do last year. Guess what? Something you were able to do the year before. So all we're seeing is the punch and the counterpunch now. I believe Vlad Guerrero is the superior uh, entity in this formula, right? He will be the overwhelming, he will be the overwhelming trait, and it will come. But it's just not happening right now. Vlad just has to chill out on all speed pitches, and the second you see him lift the first breaking ball to the moon, ask mm-hmm. me where my Pete Alonso tweets went. <laughs> <laughs> what Pete Alonso tweets? <laughs> I might delete them. I might have to. <laughs> well, I want to stick with the, the uh, Blue Jays here and a hitter who's got a, a similar move in profile. That's Tasker Hernandez, because with uh, Guerrero, uh, you are seeing more ground balls this year. And that's part of the issue. And right now, Hernandez, and granted, you know, in a smaller sample uh, because of the time that he missed with injury, uh, a 60 percent ground ball rate. So I, I find this concept that you're raising with us about the tightness of launch launch angle really fascinating. And so is this ground ball rate something that you see as a bigger concern? Because I'll tell you, when I look at it, I say, okay, it's a relatively small sample of plate appearances here. He's going to find his level. But is that is that maybe overly optimistic? It's an abject disaster right now. And again, sometimes we end up with outcomes, which is, is going to sound, I guess, like an oxymoron. It's outside of our range of outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. All three of us work within realistic range of outcomes. And I know I'll take the loss. I didn't have this. I mean, uh, even if you had told me swinging strikes and chasing were happening, I'd say, okay, that's part of it. The lack of quality of contact, 152 BA, 19% swinging strike rate, 41% chase rate to go with the 60% ground ball rate. I, it's a disaster right now. It's I think it's so bad that we're almost like, if you think back to the original Mario, like before Mario 1, where you go so far left, you pop out on the other side. I just can't, I can't believe how bad this is that I'm just waiting for rage drops to acquire. But again, don't be, don't be proud. Don't be stubborn. Don't be brave. You cannot start him right now. But I think he's rosterable. Even in like a 12-team league, I think he deserves the last spot on the bench. If you can afford it with injuries, because I still do believe, I really do. He's so mm-hmm. uber talented, and all yeah. the context is there. If you're interested in a little bit more on these guys, or more from an on the ground perspective, on last week's episode, on this Thursday episode last week, we had a bunch of our beat writers on, including Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Blue Jays. So uh, we talked about, uh, we actually didn't talk a ton about Vlad Jr., because I'm in the same boat as you, John. I think that, you know, ultimately, the water's going to find the level with Vlad Jr. And there's so many other guys in Toronto we wanted to get to. We did talk about Tasker Hernandez and Bo Bichette. 
Uh, so be sure to uh, check that out if you're wanting a little bit more of uh, on-the-ground information on where these Blue Jays stand uh, so far this season. How about Roddy Telez, a former Blue Jay, now in Milwaukee? The nine homers, um, you know, uh, for the full season, you, you would have been happy with that if someone would have told you two months ago, hey, May 26th, Roddy Telez is going to have nine homers. You'd be like, hell yeah, Roddy Telez is going to have nine homers. That's awesome. But the way that they've come maybe gives you a little bit of pause about where Rowdy is Right now, just two homers over the last uh, couple of weeks here. Uh, 193 batting average to go along with that. Uh, how are you looking at Rowdy and what we've seen from him? Full picture and how that plays for the remainder of the season. Well, I think in general, when we're talking about these kind of power hitters, we have to understand the sine wave probably has steeper peaks and valleys yeah. than maybe we want to admit. And that's part of it. You got to be careful chasing it. Although I, I tend to think they do us a favor, these kind of players, because they really do come in bunches. And it's almost as simple as just wait for it to start. Again, don't catch a falling knife. Miss the three bad weeks, right? You miss maybe half of a good week, and then you get the whole top of the sine wave, really the meat of the fruit, the part that we're really trying to chew into. Outside of that, though, in 15-team leagues, I think you're rolling out to Les basically every single week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he has really reached that next level of power uh, achievement or power metrics. I mean, some of these are just jumping off the page. I had to check twice. 421 X-Woba, a 543 expected Woba on contact. I mean, this is that's the top of the food chain. That's as, that's as good as she goes. You know, we're talking about the best in the business at that point and the surrounding environment. I'm still calling it Miller Park. I'm, I'm, I can't be chasing these corporate names. I, I know you guys are not the biggest fan of corporations. I don't have to go that way, but for <laughs> me, it's Miller Park. Like, man, why everyone trying to take away our beer, right, people? But anyway, I think part of the struggles was they were trying to force him against lefties and it doesn't really work. And now you're seeing him get a couple more days off. If you check those really great tools on fan graphs, those lineup tracker, or our Mike Curlin does a great job with lineups as well. You'll see he, they were forcing him against lefties for a little while, and those were just terrible. Those were all over fours, over, you know, it was all overs. And now he's just getting his spotted rest, and I think that just helps, you know, because. It's a bit more confidence, plus he's rested. Plus, I don't think we want guys going out there and looking terrible, especially it's a momentum game for me. I guess I, it's funny, for as cold and analytically driven as I can be, sometimes I do fall back on, you know, they're people. And there are there are, some, there are narratives and subjective elements that matter here that we tend to completely ignore, but they do matter, mm-hmm. right? Because they're people, and they're good people a lot of times that have, you know, all the same up and downs that we do. I refuse to believe that some of those don't matter. I don't care what anyone oh, says. I thought you were going to say I refuse to believe they're people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I am, I am totally with you. I refuse, I refuse, my chair. Yeah. refuse yeah, to yeah. believe. I just like there's no there, – like batter versus pitcher is one that get like – and I like I, I get it. There's, there, there's not a ton of evidence, and I'm not trying to say that like right. three for four – matters when the fifth plate appearance between batter and pitcher comes. But, like, I was a pretty decent high school baseball player. I graduated from high school 20 years ago. I still remember the names of the guys who I owned. I still remember them to this day. And that's where my baseball career stopped was as a, you know, pretty solid high school baseball player 20 years ago. There's no way that hitters hitters and pitchers are not totally aware of who they've had success against and who they haven't. And if it's 30 plate appearances, 40 plate appearances, I think it ultimately starts to matter. Yeah, and it just drags on you. Right, if we're trying to keep good momentum, good momentum, and good rhythm, why break up a strong week with an 0 for 5 and 3 Ks? Especially if he just played 11 games in a row. He's a mm-hmm. big man. Listen, let's work the rest in. You know, right? It doesn't have to be. Oh, he's benched. You're bad. It just maintenance, right? Maintaining these guys. We want to keep them healthy. Got to keep them fresh, and we want to keep the numbers there. Plus, you can always pinch hit later in the game. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, well, uh, let's uh, switch over to the pitching side here. There's a a pitcher that you wrote about that I'm really, really eager to talk to you about, and that's Justin Verlander. Because you wrote a a really kind of glowing synopsis of him, and the results, those top-line results, have really been terrific. But I'm always scandalized when I go down to the plate discipline section of his page. Scandalized, because I I don't know what to do with seeing a a 25.9% CSW on Justin Verlander's player page. I don't know what to make of it. And um, he's still doing a lot of other things well. And maybe it's just he's at a point in his career where maybe he has to be craftier. Oh, no, I, I should stop putting words in your mouth. <laughs> um, but I, I am interested in how you reconcile. Um, he's, he's just drawing a lot of swings on pitches, which is bringing down the, the called strike rate a lot um, and lowering, it, it, you know, in turn, lowering just the strikeout rate. And so I'm just wondering how you reconcile those trends with, with the overall results. Yeah, he's he's a master craftsman. He's known to be very analytically driven and monitoring his own performance. And again, we've seen that materialize. And now we're going to get into what is, what's become one of my favorite analogies. And I hope this one sticks. And it has to do with Savant. And Savant is brand new. We've had its inception lead to a new understanding, but then a subsequent kind of misunderstanding because there are pictures with words. So I've talked about it as, to me, it's like hieroglyphics. Hmm. A lot of people could see the picture and, hey, oh, that's a sun. That's a bear. <laughs> right. And some people speak the language. 
And I've really been really, really emerged, and it's not just on my own, with all the people much smarter than me, a lot of the same names I've mentioned, and others that might not want me to, you know, other people to know that they spend their time on me. But trying to speak the language now, and this is part of the improvement, because this is really the, this is the answer to Al's question. When we go, man, what's going on? It's the language on the wall between the pictures that we can't see. So now this is something I'll hopefully be working on in the offseason. Again, during the season with handicapping, it's very difficult to create new things. So hopefully the offseason will bring this in. And I've been looking for a new kind of pitch characteristic. And it's not to knock any of the ones that are existing. I hate, I hate that when people are like, I'm, I'm not trying to replace anything. I'm just trying to add to the tapestry that we've built. Right? And it's when we look at a fastball, I've narrowed it down to four characteristics. Again, you notice my work is, is very compartmentalized. I try and make it very easy to understand. I talk very fast. And to slow myself down, this is how I do it. So fastball only, four seamers, velo, spin, vertical move, horizontal move, velo, very easy to understand, higher is generally better, we've seen the testing, we know it matters. Spin is also a good thing, it matters, because it does affect movement. Now vertical movement and horizontal movement, we could, let's do horizontal movement again, more is better, more tail, when you hear tail or ride, this is better. Vertical movement is where we've had a conceptual and fundamental misunderstanding. And I know of myself, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to, man, I don't want to lecture anybody. I hope we're all learning together, right? These are mistakes I've made on my own. I come from a baseball family. We've all, my dad played Stratomatic in the 70s. You know what I mean? He was one of the, like, if you're rolling a 47-sided dice in your bell bottoms, you know that you love baseball. <laughs> yes. But one of the things that they would say was, your fastball was straight as an arrow, right? We've all heard that. Your fastball straight as an arrow. And now what we've learned, depending on how you look at it, I mean, that's a great thing. You wish your fastball was straight as an arrow because it turns out that it's the, the vertical movement on the fastball that's bad. Meaning we don't want it steepened because steep angle in, steep angle out. There's a little more caveman analysis for you. But, there, but that's, the, that's the oversimplified understanding. We don't want a steep fastball because steep in, steep out. We want a flattened fastball, but also there's a deceptive element because the average fastball does not do that. Pitchers, I'm sorry, a hitter's expectation of drop is not met. And it enables pitchers to get swing and misses up in the zone. This is why when you hear a rising fastball, no fastball rises. That mm -hmm. would be impossible against gravity. Ask Isaac Newton which way the apple <laughs> fell. But mm -hmm. it is a rel is in rel relation. So when you hear a rising fastball, it just doesn't fall as much as others. Why does this matter? Verlander just year over year over year continues to improve in all four baskets. And this is not something people talk about. Where, yeah, we tend to pick up on velo moves. That's something people do pick up on. But not the other stuff. So when you hear that not only has he maintained the 94, he's maintaining 2,400 RPMs, he's also flattened his fastball down to 11 inches while maintaining double-digit ride. And that's why he's able to throw it 52% of the time with such success. Then he pairs it. Again, he understands, he understands the machinations of ball flight and understanding the deceptive elements that come with that. So then he pairs the fastball and tunnels it with the off-speed stuff. Hitters see the same pitch at the same release point, and it breaks in different directions. And on top of that, when you guess fastball correctly, the fastball doesn't act like other fastballs, so there becomes layers of guessing. It, he's so good, and then the command is phenomenal. He is so good, and I totally, I'm wearing an L for love 
for the video people out there. Because I have I have no Verlander. I kind of did the Dr. Dave thing, and I just faded him completely, and it didn't work. He looks like he's the Cy Young right now because of what he's doing. He's the only guy that, if you ask me who threw who threw two complete game shutouts in a row, the answer is Justin Verlander right now. You know? I, but I, I want to follow this up in, in terms of a, a more fantasy-centric angle here. So, like I said, top-line results are good. The strikeouts haven't been – he's been kind of an average strikeout pitcher. So right. – do I understand what you were just saying in terms of what Verlander is doing well? That he's, I think he's given up one fly ball base hit in play this Incredible. year. Incredible. You know, so he gets these these high launch angle <laughs> fly balls, easy outs. Mm-hmm. He has a 195 BABIP this year. He had a 218 BABIP in his last full season, 2019. So am I, am I understanding correctly that what you're saying is that he's substituting the strikeouts for, for easy batted ball outs. And yeah. that's going to make him nearly as valuable fantasy wise. Yes, but but I think efficiency leads to volume. This is something I'm still, this ah. is from Michael, because this is not mine. Efficiency leads to volume. So you're going to get the K's anyway, right? I mean, you could strike, six strikeouts is six strikeouts. This is something I've kind of failed to understand sometimes. As I've moved, I was more of a points player. I guess it makes sense of my kind of yeehaw attitude. But now that I'm trying to be, get into the, you know, the, the more professional game, the Cobber game the, of Roto, and understanding these things have to play out, but that you can get 180 strikeouts in 205 innings with a lower K rate, mm-hmm. right? Totals are totals. Mm-hmm. And almost like batting average. The higher total, he's really a ratio boost as well. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe in fantasy, maybe you could acquire him on some, like, I don't know, Verlander's not striking people out. But I think you're going to get the totals. <laughs> yeah. Good pitching is good pitching. And whatever yeah. comes with it, comes with it. Um, Agreed. Yeah, yeah, right, we're, yeah. Fun to, yeah we're, we're simpatico like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to wrap up the discussion on hitting, however, uh, with, uh, with sort of a broader question. This is something cool. that you emailed yeah. me, so I wanted to be sure to get it in here. Um seems like Major League Baseball is just like every time we, both us and the hitters and the pitchers, get comfortable with the ball over the last few years, boom, they change it. We're getting that a little bit again here in 2022. So we now have two months' worth of uh, of data that we're working with in this sort of dead ball-ish, weird, new hitting environment. Have you found anything that has been unique to this season, like a change in the way that you're looking at hitters, a change in a, this stat was important. Now this stat is a little bit more important. That's proving to be predictive of what guys are doing in this current season. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I guess I should leave with just because in case there's any of my staunch followers out there, I'm very careful with the word predictive. I've challenged it on a fundamental level. All statistics are backwards looking. We can talk about that another day. But let's just say effective. No, I like that. Effective, effective is my word. I just don't want – someone is going to clip that and stick it in my face. So I had, I had to address that. I had to address that. <laughs> That's good. I like okay, that. Okay. I like that. Okay. But, so here's, here's what happened. And again, just be careful overreacting. But we have seen marked changes. Okay. MLB playing with the ball. They now told us the ball is consistent. What I believe. Is, is the humidors and the treatment of the material is really the pertinent factor here. Now, this I'm going to give you a quick anecdote, and it's from my uh, former life when I was a commercial electrician, and this is the truth. Let's say Al and I were out in the field, and Al's a great electrician like you knew he would be, and he says, kid, before we leave, before we leave, let's just mark this one set of holes. Before we go home, that way tomorrow, we put up the frame, bing, 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 and the first thing in the morning, there's something up, and we did a good job, right? You always want to start your day productive. That's a good lesson for everything but what we noticed is when we came in the morning the holes didn't line up because the weather 
shifted the metal. And you're thinking, this is a 60-foot... I used to do very heavy-end commercial work in New York City, local three electricians. So doing bus loops for after Sandy Storm and everything. We're talking high-end industrial... 365,000 volts. 60, 80-foot steel towers that shifted from, I don't know, 10 hours of weather? You have to understand this stuff matters. And if the Yankees are putting the ball, which you knew they would again, not to boost the Yankees, but they do spend. They do the right thing when it comes to that, cheating and otherwise. Right? <laughs> it's going to be in a humidor, vacuum sealed, in a book. You guarantee you that person is wearing French waiter gloves when they handle those balls. And the Oakland A's and the Rockies are going to stick them in an old potato sack and throw them in a corner <laughs> next to the old mop bucket. And that is what it is. And that is what it is. It's going to have oily fingerprints on them when you get them in the first place. And it just is what it is. And we've heard that. And it Totally from people that there were teams that just don't care about the balls that said, wait, you do what with them? What do you mean? How do we not have a standardized treatment of the material? So until we have a standardized treatment of the material, don't expect standardized outcomes. That is a legitimate, objective fact of life, gentlemen. I'm telling you. And that's one of the things people have missed on. And I don't know if we could really chase that to an extent, but it is an answer to some of the questions, I think, that people have. So what we've seen is, oh, here's the subsequent effect, right, is Barrels, the thing we all love so much because it made it easy to chase offense, now don't matter anymore. Oh, gosh, here goes the mouthful again. Coefficient <laughs> of restitution, right? The core of a ball, the bounciness. I like to give the oversimplification. The bounciness, which is funny that it just happens to be core. of Ha, waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Save the tomatoes. Save the tomatoes, everybody. But they lightened. The, the reason this matters is we had two, two tangible effects of the ball. So, we again, I spoke to Dr. Barton Smith physics professor from, I think, believe it's University of Utah. Don't kill me if I get it wrong. But he's a genius. Follow him at the Magnus PI on Twitter. Again, I don't know this stuff. I've learned this stuff because I care about it. Okay. So they lightened the inside of the ball. Subsequent effect, rise in EV at the point of contact. We saw this. Second effect of the ball, they raised the seams. Think of it. I forget who said it. it was either Jeff Zimmerman or one of my other really favorite analysts. He said, like, think of it as a hundred little parachutes on the ball. Now, granted, that's an exaggeration. But raising the seams increases impedance. The longer a ball flies, the longer those have a chance, like a flat, 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 the longer that has a chance to slow the ball up. So all we've had happen is a disparity of fly balls. I've been telling people not all fly balls are created equal. The longer it's up there, the harder it's going to be to get out. Jorge Soler, Joey Gallo, the line drive hitters will thrive. Tommy Edmond. Christian Yelich. We're seeing this now materialize, right? So the theory, well, I put I put forward working theories not knowing if it would materialize. We've now seen it materialize. It doesn't make it fact, but I am going to keep chasing that, right? Not going the other direction. Now that we've seen barrel slug drop below 700, why are you chasing barrels? Balls are erroneously being labeled barrels. You know what I mean? Just because the taxonomy has not changed, the outcomes and the physics has. So stop chasing that. All we've had to do is tighten the parameters. I've been using blasts. This is another funny word for me. It's the ideal subset of barrels. The barrel of barrels, or if you're from my neck of the woods, it's the Cadillac of barrels. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's a very cool classification, cool stat. Uh, well, I, I want to go back to pitchers because I just feel like in the interest of equal time here, if we're going to talk about Justin Verlander and his quote unquote rising fastball, we should talk about Logan Webb and his sinker uh, because he's he's getting the grounders this year. But it also, you know, similar trend as Verlander that the strikeouts are way down only in his case. I mean, they're, they're really low. I think it's around like 18, 19 percent strikeout rate so far. 
uh, for Logan Webb. So I really don't know what to make of this. And unlike Verlander, we don't have as extensive of a track record to set expectations. So, yeah. uh, what, you know, what do you see for him rest of season? I, I, I think he's fine. I, I think part of these issues, and he, I, I hope people are not, I'm not trying to duck the question, is part of this goes back to Ranger outcomes. He's not a big strikeout pitcher. So part of my work, and I, I again, I, man, Mike, you, I think I like you more than I'm maybe letting on. Oh. I, I've cited your work left and right here, but it's the truth. You go after the skills that they show. So I am I, I had a pitcher that I didn't think was a big strikeout guy who's now not striking guys out. I thought he was going to be incredible as far as ground balls. His ground ball rate is like Framber Valdez-esque. And now you ask me what's wrong. And I'm like, nothing. Everything's isn't it all systems go. And I'm, well, what about the... Well, I mean, he's kind of doing what we thought, you know, he was what we thought he was. So I think you kind of got what you got. I, I guess we're always looking for these, again, with the trading terms, but life is more about rectangular action than perpetual, like continuation in perpetuity, let me say. So things that move up don't always move up and things that move down don't always move down. You generally want to look to buy low and sell high. I mean, I know it sounds stupid, like trading 101, but it really is the truth. A lot of times we get so excited about the upswing, we don't realize that a lot of times life is about equilibrium and oscillations. And I think we saw the top end of his strikeout stuff, and now we're seeing the maturity of efficiency because, unfortunately, he doesn't care about our 5 by 5 category leagues as much <laughs> as we'd like him to. So I think as far as real-life pitching goes, he's as good as it gets. Logan Webb is... One, I, as far as youth goes, he might be my chosen young pitcher to go out and get me a playoff win, which mm-hmm. is that's the highest praise you could give. But would I start him in fantasy blindly? Probably not. So the answer is a little nuanced. You know, you kind of got it is it's part of the profile. And I, don't, I just don't want people to be too upset because I think it could come with the volume, like I said before. But, yeah, he's pitching a contact and doing it well. Understanding life, understanding fantasy baseball, that is understanding nuance. So very happy we were able to get more than a heaping dose of that in this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. John Legaza been bringing it for you all episode long. As I said, you can check him out. Everything he does for us here at The Athletic, that's right there on our fantasy baseball page. Also follow him on Twitter at MLB Moving AVG. John, where else can people find you? Uh, I would Mayo Media Net is the spot right now. Uh, Patty Mayo gave me the Daily Show. Man, we are just—it's like a million miles an hour. Of course, <laughs> I am like a Tasmanian devil, but it's a lot of fun because you know it's three segments. So we do betting, fantasy, and daily, but it's very well segmented and timestamped. So for what is quite literally five to seven minutes a day, I'm really doing a lot of actionable fantasy content. Monday's the weekend behind. Tuesday, I mind the advanced statistical leaderboard for hitters Wednesday for pitchers. And we've been first identifying, you name it. We were on them from the hitter side. It was Brandon Drury before anybody was on that. Just all over a lot of these guys, even Daniel Vogelbach before I got hurt. And on the pitching side, Blackburn has been a staple of all of our rotations because we were picking up on whiff and contact. That's the thing I like to do is combine these things and explain. A lot of times that's what my show really is. No one cares about yesterday's game breakdown tomorrow, Mm -hmm. but hopefully I like to leave you with a feather in your hat. How to understand, right, that there's before the ball is struck and then after the ball is struck. And when a player is ringing up on both sides of the board, give him a look. I'll give you this week's pitcher was JT Brubaker. Last 30 days, he's in the top 40 in both whiff rate and ex-woba. He's making changes, looking really good. I'm adding him before everyone else does. 
There you go. So many good things you can find you, with awesome. John Legazza. <laughs> Thanks again, John. This was great. I had a blast. Thank you, guys. That was great. And that's going to do it for all of us here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So for John, for Al, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Alan DVR back with you tomorrow to break down this weekend's waiver wire. Be sure to listen to that and have yourselves a great holiday weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.